truth tonight. Um, I preached this at the men's meeting last night, so it'll be familiar to a few of us, but um, did not really have a text verse. But I think tonight I'm just going to read the first two verses just to kind of uh, get into the story of Ruth. There will be kind of a lot of reading tonight as I go through the message, uh, but it's going to be a different look at the book of Ruth than what I feel like we mostly hear about. When we think about the book of Ruth, we think about Ruth, and a lot of times uh, messages are preached on Ruth, and I believe I've either preached or taught at least two uh, different lessons or messages out of the book of Ruth, kind of dealing with Ruth, and uh, we know this is a book of grace, and we see uh, essentially the lost man becoming a saved man in the life of Ruth. We see uh, Ruth is, is in Moab, and then she is brought to Bethlehem, Judah, and we see Boaz as that type of Christ, as that redeemer uh, for Ruth. So we see in her life uh, that transformation from a lost sinner to a born-again child of God. Uh, and oftentimes when we hear the book of Ruth, this is what we think. This is uh, This is where our minds go. And this is where my mind was when I began to look at this, and I looked for those two uh, messages that I've already preached to try to kind of glance at them for some thoughts for this message, uh, and I could not find them, could not lay my hands on them. So I just began reading and uh, got my eye on Naomi and her life. And so tonight I want to talk a little bit about the life of Naomi uh, in the book of Ruth. Uh, we'll go ahead and read these first couple of verses, and then we'll pray and get into the message for tonight. So, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons Milan and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. We'll pray. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this day. God, thank you for this church. Lord, thank you for our pastor. Lord, I thank you for your touch in this place. God, I thank you for this message, God, and how it's helped my heart. Lord, I do pray tonight that you would preach tonight, God, that you, God, would set me aside, Father. I pray for your words to be heard. I pray, God, for your spirit to be felt, Lord. I pray that you'd work in the hearts and lives of your people tonight, God. Give us a touch, Lord. Give us what we stand in need of tonight. I pray this would be a help and an encouragement and a strengthening, Lord, for your people. God, I thank you again for how it's helped me, God, and I pray... Uh, that this would come to us in times of need. God, that this would come to us in times of hurt, in times of pain, Lord, in times of distress, in times of despair, where we need uh, to be shown and to be reminded, God, that You bring us through. God, I pray that You'll just help us tonight. And we thank You and we praise You. Again, remember those that could not be here, Lord, I ask You to touch them. God, be with them and thank You for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we all know in the book of Ruth where this man Elimelech has uh, sojourned to Moab out of uh, a the this Bethlehem Judah is the house of bread. And he left there to go to Moab because there was a famine. There was no bread in the land of Bethlehem Judah. And we all know that Moab uh, comes from the the sin of Lot where he laid with his daughter and bore a son named Moab. These are the Moabites, the Moabitish people. And so this is where we get this land of the name of this land of Moab from. So it is a wicked place. It is 
It is a place of sin, if you will. Uh, my mind kind of thinks about Sodom and Gomorrah. Maybe Moab might be similar to those places. But this was a wicked land. And now we see that Elimelech has made the choice to leave the place of God, to leave the land of God, to leave the house of God, to sojourn, so he thought, to uh, Moab. To And so he did the right thing for the wrong reason. Or the wrong thing for the right reason, if you will. He was trying to provide for his family. Uh, but I don't want to focus too much on him, but I do want to mention that Elimelech, his name means my God is king. And I think that's a statement to, uh, to each one of us not to allow pride to slip in and to think that any of us are uh, acceptable, any of us uh, could not fall into anything or make the, the wrong decision for the right reason. Because this is a godly man. This man is not just someone who just goes to church every now and then or just goes to church on Sunday morning or, or, uh, you know, he's not a lazy Christian, I don't believe. His, his, his very name means my God and that's a, a capital G God. He's not referring to any of the gods, if you will, of the world, but my God is king. This tells me that this was a man of God. This was a man that served God and he was after God's will for his life, but he made a wrong decision. And it cost him, we'll see, his life and even his son's lives. So I just want to kind of help us to get into where we are, that they have now sojourned to Moab. But look now at Naomi. I'm going to look at verses 1 and 2 again. Uh, Naomi simply came with her husband. She came with her husband. She did not, I don't see where she disagreed with him, though I wonder if she did not disagree with his decision, but she was in her place, if you will. Ladies, don't get mad with me. I'm not being ugly in that, but she was in her place. She was doing the right thing. She was doing what she was supposed to do as a woman, as a woman of God, as a, a wife. She was in the right place. She did not step out of line, if you will. She was doing what she was supposed to do. And then look at where she finds herself. We all know this book, I'm sure. We know what happens through this book. She did nothing wrong that we can see, yet all of these things happened to her. She was just simply in her place. And we see what happens. And I think, Nathan, I'm going to use that title, The Life of a Christian. I did not have a title for this message, but that was one that kind of kept resonating in my mind. The Life of a Christian. Because through this book and through this message tonight, we're going to look at the life of Naomi and we're going to look at it in the light as a life of a Christian, as a life that you and I may live, as a life that you and I, uh, the things that we may encounter in this life, in this walk as a Christian. Again, remember, she came with her husband. She was a good wife. She stood by him. She was simply doing what she was supposed to do. And look in verse number three. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. So now she is without her husband to take care of her two sons. And secondly, I believe that she cared for her sons. She came with her husband. She was in her place. She cared for her sons. She was a good mother. She was a good wife. She was a good mother. I believe she was a good Christian woman. She did nothing wrong that we can see, and yet she finds herself in this place. She's now lost her husband. She is left to take care of her two sons. 
And then we see in verses 4 through 6, I want to read those verses, and they took them wives, this is Milan and Chilion, those two sons, they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpah and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Milan and Chilion died also, both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husbands. So notice what Milan and Chilion did. They conformed to the world. They accepted the things of Moab. They took on themselves wives of the women of Moab. But I notice, fourthly, she, thirdly, she did not conform. Naomi did not conform regardless of the decision that her husband made to take them there, regardless of the decision of her two sons to conform to the ways and to uh, maybe even worship the gods of this land. She did not conform. She stood her ground. She did not conform to the world, if you will. And you and I are going to have to purpose in our hearts, no matter what anyone around us does, no matter what our family may do, no matter what our friends may do, no matter what anyone around you may do, we must purpose that we will not conform to this world. Naomi said that she would not conform. No matter, she's lost her husband. Now her two sons have conformed to the world. And now she's lost her two sons. But still, she did not conform. Still, she stood. Look at verse 6. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord has visited His people in giving them bread. She did not conform. She arose. She still wanted to get back to God. Fourthly, she commenced toward God. She took that step towards God. She made a decision that she was going to go with God. Verse 7, Wherefore she went forth, out of the place where she was, and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return unto the land of Judah. Verse 6, she arose. She took that step. She commenced. She went, and as a Christian or as a lost person, regardless of where you may be tonight, if you've gotten away from God or if you've never came to God, you're going to have to first arise. You're going to have to first take that step towards Him. You're going to have to uh, make up your mind. You're going to have to make that decision. He will come towards you, but He's not going to force Himself on you. He gives us that free will. So we must arise and we must take that step towards Him. We must decide that we, we have got to take action. We cannot just sit and wait and, and expect God to do for us when we are not doing anything towards Him. We must take that step. We must commence to go toward Him. We've got, there has to be uh, something within us that desires to take that step towards Him. If you're a child of God and you've gotten away from Him, He will receive you back into Him if you'll simply decide to take that step. You've got to get up. You've got to arise. You've got to go. You've got to want it. I believe Brother David uh, said something about it in Sunday school lesson uh, about when he was coaching. It was not a matter of what team was better or worse. It was who wanted it more. And if we're going to make it in this life, if we're going to make it as a Christian, if we're going to make it serving God, then we're going to have to want it more than the next guy. We're going to have to want it more than the one that gave up. We're going to have to want it more than the one that quit. We're going to have to want it more than the one who doesn't show up to Sunday school. We're going to have to want it more than the one that doesn't come every time the doors are open. We're going to have to want it more. 
We're going to have to commence toward God. We're going to have to take that step. We're going to have to go. There's got to be some work put in. There's got to be some boots on the ground. There's got to be steps taken to get close to Him. God help us with this. I need help with this, and God knows it. We need to take that step towards Him. I want to look at verses 8 through 13. Try to read them quickly. And they only said unto her two daughters-in-law, Go. Return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as ye have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that she may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voice and wept. And I'm reading this because I want us to see how adamant she was that her two daughters-in-law stayed. That they went back to Moab, that they did not come with her to Bethlehem, Judah. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will ye go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that they may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say, I hope, if I should have an husband also tonight and should also bear sons, would ye tarry for them till they were grown? Would ye stay for them for, for them from having husbands? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And they lifted up their voice and wept again. And this is one that we all know. Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clave unto her. I'm going to try not to get on that tonight. But we see how much she urged that she constrained Orpah and Ruth. This is point number five. She constrained Orpah and Ruth to stay. I asked the question, why? Why was she urging them to stay? Why was she so adamant that they turn and go back? Because she knew she lived it. She knew the commitment needed to serve God. I believe that's why she urged them to stay. Because then we'll see in a moment that once Ruth purposed in her heart, once Ruth proved to her that she could be committed, that she was someone of commitment, Ruth went with her. I believe she constrained them to stay because she knew the commitment that was needed to serve God. She'd been in this dry place for ten years at least, we see. She'd been away from God for at least ten years. I think there's some commitment need. I think that you can get away from God even though you're purposed to be committed to Him. But she was committed, and I believe this is why she returned back. She made it back. She repented, if you will. She got after ten years of being in this wicked land, she still found her way back. And I don't believe it was really a whole lot to do with her, but God. But she arose. She took that step. We must remember that. Look at verse 18. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded, this is Naomi, saw that Ruth was steadfastly minded to go with her. Then she left speaking unto her. Once she saw that she was serious, once she saw that she was steadfast, once she saw that she was committed to sticking with her and going with her and staying with her, she allowed her to go. Because I believe she believed that she had what it took to walk the Christian life. And sometimes people will paint a pretty picture of it. 
And there's nothing wrong with that because it is a pretty picture. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. It's amazing. I would never change the life that I have now for the life I lived as a lost man. I would never do it. You'll never find somebody that will tell you that they regret being saved. You'll never find somebody tell you they regret being a child of God. It's not going to happen. She carried Ruth. Point number six, she carried Ruth. And I get this idea thinking about us carrying someone to Christ, if you will, carrying them to the cross. I understand that we do not save anybody in and of ourselves, but you can carry the gospel to them. You can carry them to the altar, not physically. I mean, you might try to, but I don't know. But she carried Ruth to salvation, if you will. She carried her to a place She carried her to the land of bread. She carried her to the house of God. She carried her to a place where she could hear the gospel. She carried Ruth that she might receive salvation, that she might become one of God's. And we all know what happens in the end of this story. And I just want to bring this out again. Uh, It was something that was just amazing to me. I didn't put it in here. Uh, I didn't go back and find it. But I remember reading somewhere uh, that it said that a Moabite would never become a child of God. That's not what it says. Uh, don't quote that. Um, but that is essentially what it was saying, that a Moabite would never become a child of God. I can't remember what book that was in and exactly what it says. But we find here in verse 16, I believe that Ruth had a change of heart. I don't believe that in her heart she was a Moabite anymore. Listen what she says. She's, and Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. Where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. I believe it was right there we can see a change and a turn in Ruth's life. She purposed that she was not going back to Moab. She was not going back to those gods. She didn't go back to those gods like Orpah did. She said, your God's going to be my God. I want to serve that God. I want to serve your God. I want to go with God. God made a way of escape, just like He did for you and I. God bridged that gap between God and man. God bridged that gap between Moabite and and Bethlehem Judah. God made a way for Ruth, just as He did for you and I. He made a way of salvation when He sent His Son to die for you and I on the cross. Look at verse 20. She had, Naomi, she had no confidence in herself. And you and I probably wouldn't either if we'd been through the things that Naomi had been through. Now remember, the title of this is The Christian Life. It's not easy. But we've got a God. We serve a God that can do all things. That He takes care of us. And we're going to see how this thing turns out in the end of this book. We all probably already know it. But look at verse 20. And she said unto them, They're now back in Bethlehem, Judah. Call me not Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. We all know that Mara, the waters of Mara, that word Mara means bitter or bitterness. Naomi had grown bitter. She may have even been a little bit bitter towards God because she felt that God had dealt bitterly with her. And we can often find ourselves in that very place when things fall apart. When we lose things that we love dearly. We lose those things that are so close to us. When it seems like there's just turmoil in our lives. Everything. This woman has lost her husband. 
She has lost her two sons. And now she has, has made her way back to the land uh, of, of Bethlehem, Judah. But she had no confidence in herself. She felt that God had dealt bitterly with her and now she had nothing. We see uh, back in the verses we read a moment ago, she feels like she has nothing to offer anyone. That's what she told her daughters-in-law. She didn't have anything to offer them. Verse 21, she could not see. She could not see the blessing that was right in front of her. She was focused on the negative. It's very easy to do when it seems like everything's falling apart. When it seems like there is no good to be found, it's very hard for us to find good in these situations, in these circumstances. I think I mentioned something similar to this in the story of when Peter stepped out on the water to go to Jesus. It's hard for him to focus on Christ being there. They got, they were scared when Christ walked up because it was all bad going on. So when they saw something walking on the water, they didn't think, oh, Jesus has come to save us. No, they were scared. They thought it was some other spirit or some spirit out there. They were scared. It was hard for them to see anything good in that storm that they were in. In the middle of chaos, it was hard for them to see good. And this is where Naomi finds herself. But look at verse 21. She says, I went out full. She's remembering that when she left there, she was fine. She had everything she needed. She was full. She, she was in need of nothing. And the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Now she sees her state of emptiness. She feels that she is no good. She feels she is good for nothing and good for nobody. And sometimes that's the place that we need to get to get back to God. That's where I, that's the place that I got to before I got saved. I didn't feel like I was good for anything. I felt like I was worthless. I felt like I was just useless. I felt like I'd wasted my life away and there was no good that I could do nothing that I could do for anyone. And that is the place that we have to get to sometimes in our lives to get back to God or to even to get close. Maybe we're not away from God. Maybe we just need to get closer. He might allow some things to come in our lives to help us to get closer to Him. He knows what He's doing. Why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? She could not see the blessing. Look again at verse 21. And the Lord hath brought me home again. But in the way that she is saying this, she says again, she says that the Almighty hath afflicted me. I believe that she's only focused on the fact that she went out full. I believe that she's only focused on the fact that now she is empty. And she missed what she said out of her own mouth. The Lord hath brought me home again. And what a blessing that is. And you can only know it if you've been there. You can only know it if you've been lost and been saved. You can only know it if you've been away from God and been brought back to God. You can only only know that sweet feeling of being brought home again if you if you have been there and then gotten away from it. And I think about my life. I think about ten or twelve years ago when I was in, it might be longer than that now when I was in this church when I was under sound gospel preaching when I was in meetings where I heard the gospel preached and where I felt God move and I knew where I needed to be and I got away from it and I went out into the world and I found myself in the deepest and darkest places I've ever been in my life. Sin took me farther than I wanted to go, made me pay more than I wanted to stay, and it kept me longer than I wanted to stay. And I'm telling you, that is not just something that people say. It is true. Take it from someone that has been there. It is true. It is true. It is true. It will ruin your life. But I thank God that He brought me home again. There was nothing that I could do. There was nothing that I could say. There was no way that I could get back to Him, but He 
brought me home again. And now Naomi has missed this blessing that she was brought home again because she's grown bitter. She's grown bitter against God because everything in her life seems to have fallen apart. But even in her bitterness, God still blessed her. Even in her bitterness, God still brought her home again. In spite of what we are, in spite of who we are, in spite of our sinful nature, in spite of our flesh and ourselves, God will still bless us. God will bring you home again. I thank God for it. She was, she could not see the blessing right in front of her that the Lord had brought her home again. Let's skip over to chapter number 4, verses 13 through 17. So Boaz now took Ruth, and she was his wife. And when he went in unto her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bare a son. And the woman said unto Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, which hath not left thee this day without a kinsman, that his name may be famous in Israel. She didn't leave Naomi in the state that she was in. She fulfilled her. He fulfilled her needs. He blessed her again. Continue reading. And verse 15. And he shall be unto thee a restorer of thy life. God restored Naomi. And a nourisher of thine old age. For thy daughter-in-law, which loveth thee, which is better to thee than seven sons, hath borne him. She only had two sons. Word of God says, better than seven sons. God gave her back more than what she ever had. God blessed her more than she was when she left. And I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea in that, that if you go away from God, He's going to bless you more when you come back. Because you might not make it back. It is a miracle that I stand before you today. And I don't know why. I can't comprehend it, but it does not happen to everyone that goes out. And I'm not lifting myself up in that is but by the grace of God that I'm standing here today. So don't for a minute think that you can get out and go away from God and come back and be blessed because you went out. Because that's not what that's not the way that it works. But he restored Naomi. Naomi's cup runs over. Look at verse 17. And the woman the women, her neighbors, gave it a name, saying, There is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. This name Obed means worshiper. Naomi's cup is now running over. You worship when your cup is running over. When God has filled you up, when God has, I think about the demonstration that Pastor gave us when somebody got upset with him, made a mess on the floor over there. He was filling that cup. He's talking about being full of God, being full of the Holy Spirit, being filled up. There's no room for anything else. And this is when you find yourself worshiping. Yes, we can worship when our cup is empty. Yes, we can worship when our cup is half full. Yes, we can worship in, in sorrows and pains. But when you really get down to worship, if we'll be honest, it's either going to be when your cup is empty or when your cup is full. And now we see Naomi's cup is running over. She is blessed with this worshiper. Obed means worshiper. We find ourselves, we worship when our cup is running over. We see here through the life of Naomi, we see the complication of the Christian life. 
But we see how God carries us through and completes the good work they have begun in you. Uh, Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So through Naomi's life, we see the life of a Christian. We see the complications. We see the difficulties. We see the hurt. We see the loss. We see the pain. But we see that God carries us through. And He completes that good work which He has done in you. He will restore what you have lost sevenfold, if you will. I hope that this has been a help to us tonight. It was a blessing to me. It was, uh, uh, again, as I said, I was not intending on looking at Naomi when I got into that, but God just, God just blessed me so much with that. And it's such a help. And I hope and trust that it will be a help to each one of us as we go through the struggles that we have in the Christian life, as we go through losses, as we go through hurt and pain. Look at Naomi. Look at what she lost. Look at where she found herself in the end. God restored her life. God gave her sevenfold what she had. And I think about the life of Job. man lost everything but his wife. She told him, curse God and die. He restored Job. There's all throughout God's Word we can find the life of a Christian. We can find examples of others that have lived the life that you and I live today. And remember, Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. I uh, just pray that this has been a help to us tonight. I want to close in prayer. Pastor, I'll give it over to you if you want to do anything. Lord, Father, we thank You for this message. Thank You for Your Word. God, thank You for Your people. God, I pray that You've just touched and helped in our hearts tonight. God, again, I thank You for how this message has helped me. I do pray, God, that You'll just speak to our hearts, Lord. I pray, Father, that You'll do a work. Again, I pray that You'd uh, touch the requests that were made by Your people tonight. Touch those traveling. God, those on our hearts, our lost loved ones. Help us to remember, Lord, that no matter what we go through in this life, it will all be worth it for you in the end. God, help us to serve you with all of our hearts. Lord, help us to live our lives for you. God, be pleasing to you, Lord. And remember, God, that when we lose something, Lord, that you can restore it in full. And, Father, we thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.